Hello and welcome to episode number seven of Virtual on Relay FM. Today is October 2nd, 2014. I forgot what episode number it was. I am Mike Hurley and I am always joined by my friend, Mr. Federico Vitici. Hey, Mike. Hey, buddy. How you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you. How are you? I'm very well. Big show today. We've got so much to talk about. Yeah, we, we I saved a bunch of interesting links. And I know that you have a story mm-hmm. to tell me. Mm-hmm. So I think we should get started, Mike. Let's do it. Let's do it. So the first uh, the first link that I wanted to talk to you about, um, I read this interesting article at Giant Bomb. Um, it's about the fear of missing out uh, when it comes to, to games and more specifically to online games that have a multiplayer component. And the author of this article is referring to Destiny, which was recently released, and it's a you know, popular new uh, online game by Bungie, the, the creators of the Halo franchise. And the, the, the author, uh, a giant bomb, it talks about, you know, this, um, the fact that, that at a point in his life, you know, he, he had new responsibilities, new, uh, you know, life gets in the way yeah? and, you, and you don't have time for video games sometimes. And that's always a problem, but you know, when, it come, when it's about single-player offline games, you can find the time to play a video game like that. But when it comes to an experience like Destiny, that it's an ever-changing uh, ever universe, and there's people connecting at specific times to, you know, to get together and to collaborate on missions and, and stuff like that, um, there's, a, a, there's a fear and an anxiety component to, you know, missing out and, and not being able to join in in these communities because you have other responsibilities, because, uh, because you have your, your life routine or because you have family and kids. So I thought about this and, uh, you know, we talked about uh, online games before and multiplayer before and the kind of commitment that they, that they require, uh, both in terms of um, schedule, because you have to, you know, if it's, a, if it's a collaborative game, you have to get together with other people and, and agree to, to, to play at a specific time of the day, but also the kind of skill commitment that they require and then maybe you don't have time to put in, uh, you know, dozens of hours of gameplay to get better at a, at a game. And for me, you know, this, uh, this article was interesting because it reminded me of the, of the way that I felt when Titanfall came out. Did I ever tell you, Mike, that I still have my sealed copy of Titanfall for the 360 and I never played the game? I forgot you even bought it. Yeah. yeah I, I, a- I had a few good hours with the game, but nothing more. That's why I haven't bought and I'm not going to buy Destiny. Because I expect it to be pretty much the same sort of experience. Like, I mean, the games are obviously different, but I don't think ultimately I'm going to enjoy them that much. Yeah, for me, it's especially hard to get into these kind of games because I feel that I don't have the time to... to I don't know that there's matchmaking, you know, that sort of features to, to let you play with people that are the same level and skill as you. But it always feels like it always feels like I'm better I'm better off by playing single player games that I can um, fit to my schedule to my skill and that uh, nobody is judging me if I suck at the game. Sure. And uh, and especially and and I guess that the reason why uh, portable gaming, whether on a PS Vita or a Nintendo 3DS or an iPhone, is so um, I'm so into that. I think the reason is that. Uh, the flexibility and and that that it, that it allows me to have when I play a game, I can carry the consoles with me. I can play if I have twenty minutes while I'm waiting in the car or maybe at my doctor's office. And the, the kind of games that I that I buy on those platforms are better suited for um, the kind of gameplay that I'm looking for. And I think it would be easier for me if uh, writing about video games was my main job. Uh, but in this way that, you know, it's a hobby for me. And, and I know that there's the weekly virtual and, and you know, the podcasts. And that's the reason why I've, I've tried to, to, to find always, uh, you know, a couple of hours each day to play or to read about video games. But, it, but when it comes to these kind of games like Destiny and Titanfall with online features and you have to agree with other people to play and you have to get better and you have, you know, this online universe that's waiting for you, 
I, I just cannot get into that. And, uh, and I know that I'm missing out on, on, on great video games and I'm missing out on great, uh, on great you know, discussions. There was this whole um, loot cave thing with Destiny uh, that players basically found a cave that, were, that, that was giving out um, items. Yeah. And Bungie closed uh, the cave because it was a bug, I think. And there was people freaking out on Twitter and, and I wasn't following the conversation because I had no idea what they were talking about. So yeah, yeah, I feel like that with the gaming industry a bit. Like sometimes people start talking about something, and, and I'm not I'm not in tune enough with it. Like I because maybe I don't read enough blogs or follow enough people. Like it took me a good couple of weeks to to understand GamerGate, right? Yeah, because it's just I mean, but if something like that happens in like the Apple blogging community, I know about it straight away because there's enough people talking about it. But because I follow, I don't follow as many people in the gaming world. I do follow a bunch, but not like as many. I think I, I miss out on those sort of things, and I do feel that sometimes I'm like oh, everyone's reacting to something, and I'm not a hundred percent sure what it is. Yeah, and uh, in spite of the the size of these online communities. You know, there's thousands of hundreds of people playing a game or talking about something. Uh, these communities are still very insular. And if you don't follow many people closely, it's hard to get... And this is true for the Apple uh, scene, for the Windows communities, for the, you know, for any kind of online community. They require a time and attention commitment that it's just impossible uh, for me, and I think for you as well, and for many others, to to have when you have other responsibilities, whether it's personal life or work, or you just want to take some time off the internet, and it's hard to get into these conversations, and it's hard to get into these games because they they assume that you have a, a certain kind of knowledge, or you know um, that you're up to speed with the facts, or you know with with what's trendy and what people are talking about. And it's and it's hard, you know. It, it was yeah. easier, I guess, when you just wanted to play Tetris on your Game Boy, and you didn't have to follow anybody <laughs> to enjoy the game. Uh, anyway, speaking of Tetris, Mike, there's a Tetris movie. They're making a Tetris movie. Uh, I don't even understand how you would do this. It just makes absolutely no sense to me. So I read the news um, on during Fireball. Uh, John Gruber uh, posted a link to, to the Wall Street Journal. Um, apparently, uh, there's going to be a film adaptation of the classic uh, Tetris video game, and the Tetris company um, agreed to develop a live-action film based on Tetris. And according to, to the company that's handling um, this, this movie, Threshold Entertainment, it's, it is going to be, uh, and I quote, very big epic sci-fi movie. Now, I don't know how can you make an epic sci-fi movie about Tetris. I don't I know you... how you could do it at all. Like, there's no movie. There's no movie in there that makes sense. So I want, I want, I want, I guess my job is I want to understand, is the movie about Tetris, like about the blocks in the game? Is it about the people who made the game? Is it about the people who played the game? I guess you could make a pretty awesome game about the creation of Tetris. You know, you could have, like, the personal life of of the Tetris creator and like you could have some bit of romance in there because you know Hollywood always does these things. Um I don't know how strictly about Tetris. A sci-fi movie about Tetris? It seems, you know, seems weird. <laughs> Live action film? I don't know. Um I don't know also when it's coming out. So um I guess we should we should uh, still go back to this topic, Mike. Um another link that I wanted to talk to you about. Um you know brain training games, right? Yeah. Um, there was a study by the Florida State University. Uh, psychology researchers uh, studied people playing two kinds of games: um, brain training, a brain training game for that's also available on iOS called uh, Lumosity, and Portal Two by Valve. And they wanted to see which game would have the most benefits in terms of. Uh, you know, cognitive skills and, you know, other uh, rea uh, psychological reactions after playing the game. And apparently uh, Portal 2 was more, su more successful in uh, educating and stimulating people's brains uh, than the um, 
you know, the, the, the dedicated uh, brain training game for iOS. This is interesting to me because for two reasons. One, I'm, I'm trying to, uh, to play, I guess, uh, the sessions of this other brain training app called Elevate for iOS. It's, it's very, very similar to, to Lumosity. And it was updated yesterday with uh, nice iOS 8 features. So I'm trying myself to play a daily session of this, uh, I should say, game. It's not really a game. I mean, th there are games, but it's not really a video game. It's more like an educational experience. And two, um, I love Portal. I love the puzzles. I love the, the idea. It's a very, it can be a very genius and difficult and unforgiving game, but it also explores creativity and player control in a way that's unparalleled. I, I never seen anything like Portal in, other, in any other video game. And, and it's interesting that this study reveals that this, uh, you know, the, the missions that you have to, you know, the, the kind of sandbox approach that Portal uh, has is uh, more stimulating uh, than a brain training app. I've always been curious to understand whether these brain training games were actually in practice um, successful at all. And this study seems to confirm that puzzles that are, you know, harder, I guess, can be more effective than a brain training game. But in my experience with Elevate, so another app, but a very similar one, in my experience, I, I have to say, um, I've actually learned quite a bit of new things to, thanks to Elevate. Um, mm. Elevate has a, has a bunch of mini-games to um, improve your grammar skills, your, like your, um, your, uh, the way that you structure sentences. Like There are a few mini-games to... Um, to try to express a concept or an idea or a sentence using as a, as a, you know using less uh, using fewer words, like as as you can you need to cut as much as possible of unnecessary words or expressions, and that has been super beneficial for me because I tend to I tend to add too many adjectives or adverbs to my to my writing. So being able to exercise that kind of skill has been, in practice, in, in practical terms, is, has been very useful for me. Are we going to see like your app reviews at like twenty words now? Like, that's you're just, you're just not. Cut that's everything out. No, I'm you know <laughs> I'm I'm cutting a lot lately. Yeah, and uh, I still like to go really in depth with mm. uh, you know with stuff. But there's a difference between going in depth and writing too many words. And I, try I, to, I think there's a key difference there, which I yeah. think you have a very good balance of, but I think that's what people sometimes neglect to understand. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to repeat the same concept, you know, three times. And I, and, I, and I don't want to have unnecessary words on the screen because I think the screen time and, and people's, time, people's time is precious. And uh, so the, with, the, with these minigames in Elevate, uh, oh, there's also one to... Um, to find, you know, synonyms and, and words that have the opposite meaning. So th I've learned so many new English words uh, thanks to that game. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and uh, so this study was surprising to me because on the one hand, I do believe that Portal has genius puzzles that really can stimulate your brain activity and may make you think. But also, uh, now I don't know about Lumosity, but I do know that a very similar game, Elevate, has been has been, you know, very practical for me. Uh, I guess I should check out Lumosity and see if it's different. It's just, you know, when I was younger, I never really got into brain training, uh, the DS game, because I thought that it was useless. Yeah, and, I mean, it was, and, it was the game for adults, wasn't it? It was the game? I mean, that's what it was for. It was the game for adults. Like, that's why it yeah, existed. Yeah, exactly. And maybe because I was, I was uh, younger, I thought that, you know adult life was boring and uh, you know I wanted to I wanted to jump with Mario or I wanted to shoot stuff you know I wanted fun games not you know brain training games but now that I that I have a purpose to you know to for instance to improve my English skills um, I'm finding Elevate to be a fantastic addition and and and, and I guess that growing up uh, Elevate has these mini games that uh, only take you five minutes the entire daily session uh, requires like 10 minutes. 
and you get all these fancy graphs that show that show you progress. And now I don't know if from a, a scientific uh, perspective what Elevate claims is really true. I don't know if my brain is being simulated in the areas that the app shows. There's a, a representation of your brain with colored uh, sections and they're like, oh, this minigame stimulates this part of your brain. I don't know if that's true. Um, and maybe there's a placebo effect to playing these kinds of games. Uh, but, you know, I'm learning new words. I'm, I'm trying to write better by cutting stuff that is unnecessary. So maybe... The, you know, these games are not changing your brain, but are maybe incentivizing you to think more, and at least me, uh, to think more about the way that I write and the, the words that I use. And if, if it's presented in the form of a brain training game, so be it. It's, yeah. it's nice, you know? The benefit's still the benefit, irrespective yeah. of how you do what, it. I mean, whatever, right? Have you ever played Portal uh, multiplayer? No, no. Oh, it's one of the best gaming experiences I've yeah. ever had. I played it with a friend of mine, and we we played through the entire game, like the multiplayer game, in a day. It's a few. It's a, it was. It took us maybe about five or six hours to do. Playing that game in multiplayer is just. It's an absolute joy. It's a blast, right? Because you have to work together on the puzzles mm. they like create a different set of puzzles that require two people so like one person has to so have to hit a portal here and so you have two you have a portal gun each right mm-hmm. and they have different colors so yeah. you can create these like really elaborate portals so i shoot my gun in two areas you shoot your gun in two areas like i jump through there come out here go into yours come out the other end kind of thing if you can imagine what i'm trying to say it's like you you have you like end up chaining the portals together to cl- complete levels. It's just fantastic, and obviously with Portal Two, and they added like the speed and the jumping goo. Yeah, yeah. So that you know you have to work together to make that all work, and that's if you think you've had a good time playing Portal, you've you ha- you have no idea unless you played the multiplayer. I really it's, should. It's like a whole other experience. Genuinely, one of the very best video game experiences I've ever had. Hmm. It's just stupendous, absolutely stupendous. And I I'm really, sure I really now that look, we're going to get so many people like tweeting us and telling telling you the same thing. Hmm. I don't know if you can play online. How can people tweet at us, Mike? Oh, there's a couple of different ways. The best way is, of course, to tweet at us personally. I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E, and Federico is at Batici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I. But there is also underscore virtual FM as well if you want to send a message to the show. Uh, But you should definitely tweet at us because uh, we like to engage and interact with our fans. We do. On a social media level platform. Yeah, we engage a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Next up, Mike, Uh, a few days ago, it was the 18th anniversary of the Nintendo 64. Um, and there was an article on Polygon um, about the best way to celebrate uh, this uh, birthday uh, anniversary of the uh, Nintendo 64 is to watch this video, right? Uh, right. Of the, from 18 years ago, uh, this promotional VHS that Nintendo made and uh, sent to fans and it's, I really, in the document that we share, I describe the video as weird and awkward. It, it really is, Mike. Um, there's basically these uh, three kids. I guess they are um, um, like video game champions, as Nintendo describes them, um, like the, the best players in the world. And they get invited to this fake uh, Nintendo headquarters. And they are shown, uh, the, basically, uh, these kids are being, uh, they, they are shown this room, and they're like, please, you know, take a seat. And um, they are shown these new games for the Nintendo 64. And it's basically, it's, there's really bad acting. And these kids uh, act all surprised, you know, like their jaws drop when they see the new graphics. And they're like, oh my God, this game is so awesome. And, you know, that, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, and it's from 18 years ago. So you can imagine it's now it's, you know, the fashion, like the clothes. And, uh, you know, 
It's really weird and this awkward. This is super 90s. I'm looking at it now, yes. like the way it's shot and all the graphics and like exactly. everything's really fast cut and out of focus <laughs> and there's like different colors all the time. And it's all like lots of weird close-ups with like acid effects. Man, this yeah. is crazy. And there's uh, trailers, right, for um, Nintendo 64 games. So there's Mario 64, there's uh, the Star Fox game, there's uh, a couple of wrestling games. Um, and, and an interesting fact, there's also Kirby Air Ride, which would be delayed. And it came out not on the Nintendo 64, but on the GameCube many, many years later. Wow. Yeah. There's a Star Wars um, game. There's a, these ugly 3D graphics. <laughs> I guess by, by the time of the Nintendo 64, they were amazing. But, you know, today they, <laughs> they're horrible. Um, there's Mario 64, right? So uh, there's, a, there's a, a redemption to this video. There's Mario. So everything's good, Mike. Speaking of videos, I, I want to talk about a video, uh, a documentary, in fact, that I found on Kickstarter. It's called Game Loading. It's a new documentary about the indie game dev community. And it stars uh, people like Rami Ismail of uh, Vlampyr. There's Mike Bithel of uh, Volume and Thomas Was Alone fame. Um, There's a 19-minute trailer for this documentary. It looks fantastic. Uh, In fact, there's a bunch of footage from the train jam which was a game jam on a train that yeah. happened uh, before the GDC in San Francisco a few months ago. And if you pay attention, you can see Shahid in the video. Really? And uh, Yes. <laughs> Shahid was at the train jam. I didn't know he was there. Yeah. Oh, uh, man. Can you imagine? <laughs> you just bought all the games. <laughs> I'll take them all, like, as, as they were all leaving to get off the train. This he's is just, becoming a meme on virtual. Just, he's just walking around the train throwing money at people. You know, I actually, <laughs> I actually believe uh, he participated uh, uh, at the train jam. He yeah. made it, you know, because Shade makes games too. Yeah, he does. It, it's, it's just awesome like that. And um, watch uh, the trailer. I watched the all the way up until the footage because I decided I didn't want to spoil it. Yeah. Um, so I watched the trailer and then I backed it. Um, it's this really, really hopefully should meet the goal. Uh, it's like at twenty, nearly at twenty five thousand uh, Australian dollars. It needs fifty thousand. It's got twenty days to go. I don't think it's going to have a problem. Um, but like the the bundle, like some of the bundles are really great. Like I put the twenty five dollars in. If we get towards the end, I'll increase it if if they're looking like they need it. But yeah, I think this looks fantastic. I, I I love these sort of documentaries, especially about indie video game people. You know, I think it's great, and, and I'm excited. I always back these types of things when I see them. Same, yeah. I'm. I really want to watch this because the footage looked very good, and I like the list of people they interviewed. I like the indie game dev community, so um, that's a uh, that's on my list of things to back on Kickstarter. Mike, I know that you uh, that you have some follow up as well. Yeah, uh, friend of the show, uh, Florian Lionel, he sent a link to me, um, a video that Nintendo UK will three the Nintendo 3DS UK channel put out, which is a how to play video of Super Smash Brothers. It's like one minute and thirty seconds, so it's just like I think it's like an extended tutorial type thing, like just showing a little bit more about how you play Super Smash Bros. Like, what 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 are the controls? And it might actually just be the tutorial that I skipped. Um, and it kind of just explains how the game is played. So uh, I will be watching that again uh, probably later tonight or tomorrow when I download Super Smash Bros. Which I'm very excited about. Because it, because it is coming out tonight. Uh, actually, I, I could have you know, play the game today, a day before the official release, because my video game store friend in Viterbo has the game for me. And he called me this morning. In fact, he woke me up this morning. And uh, But I'm in Rome, so I cannot have the game. I will play the game like many other people tomorrow. That Federico Vatici is all about breaking street date. Yeah. Not this time. Not, Not this time. time. Not this time. So, you know... I gotta wait. I cannot wait for the game. I, I really want to play Smash Brothers. I may, may have, you know, uh, just may have Smash Brothers problem. Okay. 
I think I will make like mind maps for you know combos and characters. No and, way. Um, man, I'm super serious about my Splash Mothers techniques. <laughs> I like that you called it like Splash Mothers or something just then, which is great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I, I'm so excited. I just want to play the game. But you know, just a few hours left. Mike. Yeah. So now I know that you that you did something. Last and weekend. I know that and I know that you took notes. I know sure that you did. document you documented this uh, experience. Mm-hmm. So why don't you tell me about it? So on Sunday of last week, we spoke about this last week on the show. I went to the Eurogamer Expo in London, um, which is very much like any kind of games expo. Um it was a whole over a whole weekend. And I was able to get a press pass for Sunday, so I went along on Sunday. Uh, and when I was there, I was taking notes in in a notebook. And if you will, if you'll indulge me, Federico, I'd like to recount my experience, please, yes, chronologically via my via my pen and paper notebook. So it was in uh, Earl's Court, which is a quite a large exhibition centre, and it was really huge. Nurse Court. Yeah, Nurse Court. Yeah, oh, that's the that's a popular um, Oasis uh, live concert. Yeah, because it's so huge. Earl's Court is really, really big. Nice. So they, they use it for big like shows and also lots of ex- expos and things like that. Um, and kind of arrived there and, and they had like a special line to pick up press badges. But there was no lines anywhere, really. I think it was pretty well dealt with, like to get into the place. Um, but when I went in, just the lines were incredible to get into the booths. Um. Mm. Like, so you'd see, like, your Call of Duty booth or Sunset Overdrive's booth, and they'd have signs outside them, and it was, like, 60 minutes from this point. Jeez. Stuff like that. Um, but they ha- I was kind of surprised. Like, the booths were huge, and they had kind of everything. So, like, Nintendo were there, uh, Microsoft were there, and PlayStation, and Sony was there. They all had these huge booths. Um, Nintendo and PlayStation's booths were more impressive than Microsoft's. Um, hmm. Sony's definitely looked the best. They had the best layout, and it was just like the biggest and the flashiest. But then they had like Activision and people like that who were showing off Call of Duty. But it's kind of interesting, right? Because I think with the, if you were there for long enough, maybe if you were there for a couple of days, with the right sort of planning, you could work out what you wanted to do. Because they had like the big Activision Call of Duty booth, but then they, but then Microsoft and Sony also had like smaller booths that had the game in, like had like Call of Duty in too. So I think you just kind of have to weigh up which one was going to be the longer queue. It feels like there was definitely some strategy that you could have had. Um, well, I got there about 1 p.m. and it shut at 7 p.m. and I wish I would have arrived earlier. Like I took this big list of things that I thought I would want to check out, um, but knowing that I'd only really be able to check out a few of them because that's how these things work. Um, but I did get to see all of the things I really wanted to see. Hmm. So we'll go through that in a bit. Um, I've never been somewhere in my life that smelled so much of sweat. Oh, no. It was so bad everywhere. No. Everywhere, oh, it's really gross. I, I I got used to it by the end because just it was quite warm in there and it was a warm day anyway, but it was just bad. So I first thing I did when I got there, so I knew there was one thing that I would wait for. I'd wait as long as it took, and that was Oculus. Mm. So I went and found the Oculus booth. Um, I waited for eighty minutes in line. Eighty. Eighty. Um, it was a big booth and it had lots of headsets, like lots of headsets. It was set out like a living room. There was like small little living rooms with TVs, but the TVs were just showing what people were seeing in the headsets. And there was like just comfortable chairs and you'd sit down and someone would fit the Oculus to you. But yeah, it was huge. The booth, the line was just insane. It like doubled back on itself like eight times. Mm. Um, And they had a couple of different games. They had... Um, a couple of the games I didn't even get the names for. They had like three different ones. One looked like it, it was some sort of like um, dog fighting game. You know, like there were not like dogs. I mean, like planes. Uh, it was like some sort of space game. And, yeah. and you were flying around in a cockpit. One was like a children's game, like a children's platformer. And then they had a Oculus demo of um, Alien Isolation. Hmm. 
so the new alien game um that w- i wanted to play the space dog fighting shooting game but you basically just got sat down wherever you were sat down um and i got sat down at the alien isolation booth so i have never so this was this was your first time with it's the, the first time i've ever used the oculus okay i've never uh felt like this playing a video game Tell me. I, I want to understand. Right. So you kind of, you put it on and it's awkward and it's kind of uncomfortable and the screen resolution is terrible, right? So mm-hmm. I, I don't think I had the most recent. They wouldn't tell me what what if version it was. It was. The, the, the Crescent Bay yeah. prototype. Okay. I think, because what was the previous one? Uh, Crystal Cove or yeah. DK2? I, uh, I think I had DK2 basically. Okay. Because I know that the screen, uh, the screen has improved. Mm-hmm. The screen wasn't that great. Um, so you kind of put it on and it was fine and they gave me an Xbox controller. But you're super like vulnerable. I felt really vulnerable because I couldn't see anything. It just completely isolated. Completely. I, I, and I had my glasses on, which was good. I didn't think that would work. But I had my glasses on and then had the, the Oculus on top of it. So then they put an Xbox controller in my hand um, and he's like, so he's like, okay, you can start. And the game sort of loads up. Um, and it just comes up with a message says escape the room and I'm in like a spaceship like a rundown spaceship from the alien movie and I'm kind of just like moving around in there and so you're moving around and you're like this looks really interesting it's like a video game but right close to my face and then you move your head a little bit and that's where it all is just like what on earth is happening because it looks like you're looking at it because this, uh, because the, the game turn as you turn your head. Yeah, if, if it, you look it, down, there's more game down there. <sighs> like that's the crazy thing. Like before I started moving around, and I'm like, this isn't that great. I'm just moving around, and the screen's close to my face. But then, like, I heard a noise, and I moved my head a little bit, and and that was it. Then, so like, I'm like moving my head all over the place. It was incredible. But this is the but the game so like I'm like, okay, something's gonna happen, right? So like I'm looking for a weapon and, and the music is really like quiet and then I like start moving around a corner and in the corner of my eye I see something in like in the distance. I kind of move and it moves. Like I, I move my head to look at it and it runs away. And then I kind of turn another corner and I see it was terrifying. I turn a corner and there's this huge shadow of a of a alien. Oh, and so I like you? yeah. <laughs> so I <laughs> I like turn around and start running right, and then I turn. How, how, you didn't really run in the room. No, right? like on the controller, you know. Like I turn okay. around and start running, and uh, I turn around and then the alien just jumps in my face, and and I like jumped like my whole body jumped, and then it uh-huh. killed me. It just killed me. And then so I like took the thing off and he was the guy was like, How was it? And I was like, It was intense. And he was like, Did the alien get you? I was like, Yeah, he says, Yeah, it gets everyone. Like it was a demo. It, because it, the people couldn't see uh what you were seeing. No, they couldn't see what there I was, was no screen. No. Okay. Because um alien isolation is really early and they don't want it to be shown off. And this is just a demo. Like it's just mm-hmm. a prototype, so they didn't show that on the screen. Um it was so good, man. I'm going to buy one of these as soon as I can. Like, it was a totally different type of thing. It isn't like a video game, the way you're used to playing them. Like, it's something else. Mm. Because, I mean, you know... Did you feel motion sickness at all? uh, I didn't. No, I don't get motion sick. But I felt more emotions than I usually do in a video game. Like, my heart was racing. Like, I know I was playing a scary game, but scary games don't necessarily do that to me. This, it felt like I was in this environment. It was really, really impressive. Very, very good. Oh, oh they put headphones on me as well. I, I didn't say that, and it might have been clear, but just to point that out. Hmm. Seriously, man. Just so good. Sounds amazing. It sounds like you're really part of the experience. Yeah, 100%. It's it's so strange for me to understand the concept of like turning your head and seeing more of the game. I can't. That, that was the thing. Like, and, and I can't even explain it. And even if you understand it, you can't 
experience until you've experienced it, you don't know what it feels like. Mm-hmm. It was really something special. But that wasn't yeah, the only thing I, that I saw. I really got to try this. Yeah, tell me more. I want to know all that. Because I know that you saw uh, developers and games. Yeah. So I decided I wasn't going to wait in any more lines. I, I wasn't going to do that. Yeah. So I was just going to go for all the indie games that I wanted to see. Uh, and I found Oli Oli 2 in the PlayStation booth. Um, and I played it. Played it for a bunch of time. And I was talking to one of the people at Roll7. They they only had Oli Oli there. They didn't have... Um, I can never remember the name of it. Whatever the something cover game is. Anyway, oh, the Not a Hero? That's it. They only had Oli Oli 2 there. Okay. So uh, because it was uh, just announced on you know at EGX. Yeah, they announced it at EGX, so they were showing it off. And they had they had the art director there, and they had. Uh, I was talking to one guy, but I, I didn't get what he did. I think he was from the um, uh, the publisher because hmm. he said they didn't have not a hero there because it was being published by Devolver. I don't really know what that meant, but that was what he told me. I was like, okay, like <laughs> yeah. it's still okay. on PlayStation though. I mean, I'm in the PlayStation booth. Yeah. Uh, it's beautiful, Federico. Like I played it on the PlayStation 4 and there's so much more detail. Like when you jump, the shirt like ripples in the wind and stuff, like at the guy. Like, Seriously? Yeah, you can tell they've got a much bigger budget. And, they and got more I, money. I kind yeah. of asked a question. I can't remember what it was, but along those lines, and he was like, "Yes, we have the full support of PlayStation." Mm-hmm. I was like, "Ah, you have more money." Um, and the guy was being really nice. I mean, and we were talking about the game a bit, and he gave a controller to me, and he could see what I was playing. And then there were like four people playing, and like I was playing with a couple of other people, and, and we were talking. I was saying how good it looked and how much I liked the previous game. And he was like, do you want to see single-player mode? I was like, sure. And he just switched it to single-player mode and gave me the controller. And I'm like, there's like three other guys playing this. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'll play for a bit. Um, the, the So the new sort of game things that they do, so the manuals are really interesting. So it, it basically means you can turn any level into one combo, but you have to hit it perfectly. So... You know, like how you have like the perfect landings and stuff, they affect your yeah. speed. Yeah. So that's the same here. You, If you go from a, like, so basically as you're landing, as you're in the air to land, you move the analog stick to the left or to the right before you land and before you press X. And then that will turn it into a manual, right? In the same way that you would grind. So it's basically yeah. just grinding, but on the ground. Yeah. But you only go at good speed if you land on like a perfect so otherwise you can you can do it, but if it's a long distance, you'll just slow down. It sounds complicated. No, I, it's I not. Think it, I think it plays better than it what does. you describe. It okay. does. So imagine, you know how in the game you grind? Yeah. It's just that, but on the ground. Hmm. So it's exactly the same. Okay. That's yeah, that sounds nice. Um and then they have like the split worlds. So what they're doing with the split worlds is there will be points in the game where you can be above ground or underground and you can make your choice into whether you go up or, or under. And some of them, you have to hit like a bun- a perfect combo to get to certain parts of the level. Mm-hmm. And they're saying that what they're being able to do with this is to make more challenges and goals in the game. So it's making the game a lot bigger and, and more to complete than there is before. Uh, mm-hmm. I only got to play a couple of levels. The game was naturally a bit buggy. Um, and it didn't even have a level selector. Like he just kept hitting the circle button a bunch of times and it changed level, which is quite funny to watch. Um, Could you hear the music? No. Okay. Oh. Seri- I'm so excited. So excited. It's going to be amazing. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm so jealous, man. <laughs> I want to try all those things. Please continue your story because I, just by listening, it makes me excited about all these games coming up. So then I went in search of the indie booth okay like the this, the collection of indie games uh, because Oli Oli 2 was in the PlayStation booth and there are a few like that but I knew that there was like a pure indie booth so I was walking around a little bit and just like looking at things mm-hmm. um, um, and was just kind of looking at the booths because I, I just found it more interesting to just be in the environment you were alone right yeah I was on my own 
Mike was alone. Okay. Mike, Mike was alone, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I just, it was just interesting to be in that environment and just watching all the crazy yeah. things happen. And yeah. Then I walked past the Twitch booth and Rami was there and they were streaming Nuclear Throne. So, oh, nice. Yeah, so I stood and watched that for a bit. And then as he came out, I introduced myself to him and we had a chat for a few minutes. And he was a super nice guy. Nice. Really, really nice guy. He was telling me about some of the games that I should be checking out there. And then he hugged me. And then <laughs> I left with a big smile on my face. <laughs> Yeah, it's really awesome. nice to meet him. He's so he he is as nice as you would expect. Yeah. Um, and we were just talking, you know, I was just saying like how much I love all of the games that they do, and and then, you know, we were just talking about EGX, and he was telling me that he was telling me about how great Alien Isolation is, like the full game, uh-huh. um, and that I should try it out, but I didn't want to wait for an hour and a half to to play that game. So I ended up finding the area that I was looking for, which is the indie collection i can't remember but i think it's called rezzed i think they called it yeah um, and yeah, i found yeah. volume okay so um i watched somebody play it for a bit because the, the, in the indie booths there's there's queues but they're not long queues you wait until someone's finished and you get on and play so uh, i played a tutorial the problem here was they only had keyboard and mouse input which i'm really bad at Mm-hmm. Um, but the the sound design is absolutely incredible in this game. So there's now there's two narrators. So they have the same narrator from Thomas Was Alone, Danny Wallace, and there's somebody else um, in the game as well who who I'm not familiar with. Um, and one plays you, the character, I think Robbie, and then one plays like the AI voice that helps you throughout the game. Um, but the music is fantastic. And one of the great, one of the things that I played in the levels was to distract the guards that are in the game. It's a stealth game volume. You, you have this like bugle, which you can basically, you fire out, you you aim it and it shows you where it's going to bounce, what walls it will bounce off. You shoot it and this little like sound wave comes out of the gun and you press a button and it makes a sound. So what mm-hmm. you can do is you can shoot it to the other side of the room, then make the sound at the other side of the room. It distracts the guard. The guard goes over to see, and you can run past them. But this is all... It's just everything sound-wise is fantastic. And I liked that not only is the sound design good, but one of the key things that you do in the game is actually use sound to your advantage. Um, it looks like nothing I've ever seen before from a visual perspective. I've never seen a game that looks like this because it doesn't look like anything. Um, it's like it's not but it looks like a virtual reality environment like you'd see in an 80s movie but that's not what it's from my from my way I was playing the game it's not set out to be like a test environment he's collecting things and he's trying to get out of some some thing that he's in uh, they, they didn't really give any of the story in the demo but it's clearly not a test for him mm-hmm. it's not like because the closest thing i can think that it reminds me of just because of the layout of the environment yeah the vr missions, VR like missions metal in metal gear, gear. Yeah. Um, but it's not that that's not what you're doing you're not in training for something but and then when you finish the levels everything like shatters like glass it's so awesome really really just fantastic looking game and you can see how like the guy who just it's so interesting to see the guy that who made a game with a bunch of squares right has has made something like this it shows like his level his skill level not saying that he didn't always have that skill level but it's just such an interesting thing to go from and to and I wouldn't be surprised if if Mike Bithel was like I made a simple game because it was the game I wanted to make but I do have these skills and I want you to see them now yeah you know so he wasn't like pegged in as the square making game guy yeah yeah makes sense yeah yeah I'm happy to hear that uh, that it looks and plays great um that it sounds great. Um, I'm really, again, I'm really excited about this. So in regards to actually the games that I played, that's pretty much it. And then I was kind of walking around um, and I was like just taking things in and I saw the Amiibo. Yeah, you sent me a photo. Yep, they had the Amiibos in the cabinet, in cabinets. Um, so you could kind of just look at them and they look fantastic, but it said like, it's a big sign that was like, this is, these are not final. Do not touch. No, they were behind glass. Oh, it was okay. like, these are not final, blah, 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 blah. So I don't know if that's how they're actually going to look because they look too perfect and too, too amazing and too detailed. And I feel like you couldn't make them at scale, but too well, immaculate. Yeah. They were just <laughs> too well made. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, 
it was interesting because it was a really fun experience, but it felt like I was at a theme park. So, like, all of the small rides that not a lot of people cared about, i.e. the indie games, there was no way for them. You could just go up and play them, and there are certain people, like me, who enjoy those the most. But all of the big rides, the big attractions, like the huge roller coasters, Call of Duty, Sunset Overdrive, you would wait for hours to see. Hmm. But when I was in the... Uh, when I was in the... Um, the when I was in the indie area, I took a list of games that I thought was interesting, and there's five indie games I have on a list now that I want to play. Okay. Uh, Speedrunners, these are all on Steam. Speedrunners, The Escapists, Prison Architect, Big Farmer, and Octahedron. Now, Octahedron, yes, I saw the, the video for that. That looks amazing, and that was next to the Brave Wave booth. Uh-huh. Um and Mohammed wasn't there. Oh no. Yeah, he couldn't make it. Um but I bought like three CDs from them. <laughs> so. Which I've been enjoying the music very much. Um so Speedrunners is like it's a game that's got a lot of critical acclaim and it's basically you have to get through level really quickly. Um mm-hmm. but it's it's getting like people just love it apparently. So I'm looking forward to trying out that one. Big Farmer, I didn't really get to see too much of, and it's not on Steam yet, uh, but it will be soon. And it's basically, it's like a, a simulation game of uh, pharmaceutical companies. You play mm. a farm, you play as like a creating a pharmaceutical company and everything that's involved in that. Um, so th- that looked quite interesting. I just liked the premise. You know, it's just an interesting idea for a game. But then The Escapists and Prison Architect are both games about prisons. So (laughs) Prison Architect, it's like Theme Park World. You are building a prison and everything that needs to be involved in that, right? So you build the lunchroom, you build all the cells, and then things go wrong and you have to fix them, you know, like a Theme Park World game type scenario. For prisons. But for prisons. And then the escapists, you play as a character and your mission, your goal is to escape from prison. And it's like a little um, 8-bit style, like a Super NES, Super NES like style, that sort of like 8-16-bit game. And your goal, it's all just like a nice classic art style, you know, that we like so much and there's crafting in the game, right? Because you're crafting like shovels and things so you can try and dig out. It looks really fun. Uh, and the trailer is incredible. Um, so their their game's worth checking out. What I'm going to do is uh, for the, those indie games, I'll include those in the show notes. I mean, the other ones I'm sure people have, have already heard of, but I'll find those and I'll put all of those in the show notes, which you can find at relay.fm slash virtual slash seven. So that was kind of my experience of a, of a game expo. I will definitely be going to... Well, I say that, but the next one is in Birmingham. Uh, it won't be in London in 2015. But I think uh, EGX are doing a smaller event just for indie games in March, which is in which is actually like in the same complex as where I work. Nice. So I will be going to that too. Awesome. That, that's you should. Plan. You really should. We shall... I wish there were events like this in Italy. Yeah. Yeah. Did I not uh, even have you know things the, like this in Rome? I don't know. There's um there's um a comics um what's the name in English? Like um Expo? No, Convention? An expo. Yes. Yes and, and and yeah, it's a little bit of both. Yeah. Uh, it's called Romics. You know, Rome comics. All oh, right, yeah, 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 Romics, and um, there's uh, there's a bunch of uh, big video game companies that have like demo stations, I think. But yeah, I don't know about the, the you know indie expos or convention conventions in Italy. I saw the other day on the news there was um the the game developed by um, the indie studio in Rome. No, I don't think actually it's, they're based in Rome. Probably not in Rome, but they're Italian. The, it's coming out on PlayStation, I think on PS Vita. Um, 
Mura Murasaki, Mura Murasami. You know the horror uh, game with the cartoon style. Mm. Have you ever seen this game, Mike? I don't think so. I need to find it. Uh, the the it seems to me that the Italian indie situation something is happening. Uh, I don't think we have an expert. Muras, Muramasa. Mur, yeah, something like that. Um, Murasaki Baby. Oh. It's the name. Murasaki Baby. Okay. Murasaki Baby. I think it's made by Italian developers. Huh. Let me see. Oh, I got a. Yeah. Gianni Ricciardi is the name of the. Ovo Senico. The director is Massimo Gorini. Yeah. Well, there you go. They were at EGX, apparently. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, I saw, I saw that they were on the news uh, a few days ago on the, on the Italian. It's called Channel 5, Canale Cinque Network. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's something in Italy. Uh, I wish there was an expo like EGX with those people. I really want to meet those people. I should probably come to London next time there's an expo. I really want to visit London, by the way, Mike. Well, you um, know, you should. I, I can show you around. Yeah? Yeah. We can we can go on the tube. We can together. go on the tube or together. In the tube, I never really understood. On, on the tube, in on, the tube. On. It's like on the bus. On the bus, on the tube. Yeah, we can go on the tube. We can go on the double decker. You know, it'll be, be fun. It'll be a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mike. So uh, thanks for thanks for sharing your EGX story. Hey, no um, problem. I'm gonna check out all these games that you mentioned. I'm probably gonna spend a lot of money on Steam this week. You know. So there you go. I'm gonna put a lot of games on my Mac. Have you got You're a controller now? yet? Have you got a controller yet? Uh, no, can, I will figure it out. You're gonna you know? get a wired USB controller. Yes, yeah. I will listen back to the episode where Do you it. shared. Yeah. So I think that's it for about this for this week's episode. What do you think? I think yeah. I think it was a. We have a nice episode. We have a bunch of show notes, and uh, we can we can save. You know, interesting things for next week. We have a special guest next week, right? Yeah, we do. Yes, we do. It's what we had to rearrange from this week's episode yep. to next week's episode. So there we go. So look out for that one. If you, as we mentioned earlier, we're online. Uh, Federico writes at maxstories.net. I podcast at relay.fm. I'm at imike, I-M-Y-K-E. Federico is at Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I. We'll be back next week with another episode of Virtual. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye. Arrivederci.